The following podcast was a true pleasure to record, as they all are. This podcast is with the one and only Bread Witchery, a powerful content creator and an overall powerful individual. We get into some interesting topics, and I hope you'll love the episode. I'm trying to do this thing where I'm a little more, um, I don't know, intentional with these intros. Maybe include a little call to action, as they say in the business. And today's call to action is simply... If you like this podcast, it sure is helpful if you wouldn't mind dropping a review on your listening platform of choice. I know some platforms don't allow it, but uh, maybe you'd consider going over to Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. I know both of them allow you to drop reviews, and maybe you'd like to drop a five-star review. If so, it's a big help, and the other big way to help would be uh, sharing the podcast with your friends. I don't know. You know, if you like it, maybe they'll like it too. Anyways, I'm going to take you straight to the content. No more deliberation. Here is Major Crunch X. One. Hello, I am Major Grunge here with another hot and fresh episode of Grunge versus All of Reality. Today's illustrious guest is the one and only Bread Witchery. Hello, it is I. I'm actually very curious, and I meant to ask this, I think, mm-hmm. at one point in the past, but where did the genesis of your name, where where is that? Like Bread Witchery, huh? I was thinking about a sandwich or something like that. No, this is my favorite question because it's so dumb. So I used to, <laughs> back when I first, first, first started streaming, like the first six months, I think, of me streaming, um, my username was Harlequin Stream, and it was like Harlequin as in the theater character from Comedia dell'arte, not like Harley Quinn, but shorter. Um, so it was Harlequin Stream, and then I was eating garlic bread once on stream, and someone in chat was really hungry, and they jokingly called me an evil bread witch, and <laughs> me being a bread witch became a meme in the channel, and then when I was rebranded, at some point I was like bread which is a pretty like unique name and then I checked a bread witchery and that is taken absolutely nowhere nowhere is that username taken at all so I could have it absolutely everywhere and that's really important with social media obviously having your name be the same everywhere is like so good um so yeah I spent the bread witchery and now that's that so yeah oh right on. okay okay that that works I get that cool I mean just the yeah. genesis of like a name spawning out of Mm-hmm. the ether uh, a lot of my a lot of my friends have had similar stories my name was just like kind of off the cuff i just wanted something that sounded right and i had already had major in my gamer tag on xbox for a long time so i was just used to it so then boom but it's pretty cool i think it suits you it suits like your vibe and everything i like it i am at quite happy with it like as time has gone on i have not found myself wanting to change it you know what i mean so i'm glad i was so terrified of that with mine as well because I'm, I'm that kind of person where, like i change my like icons on social media a lot and i'm really indecisive and that kind of thing and i was so worried i would hate the username bro witcher but i like it and i'm like yes <laughs> ever since i enlisted james to design the little icon i use and everything i've been <clears throat> more or less in love with it completely but I, I used to be the same way where i changed everything always and then i, I finally yeah. got like the right one you know He's so he's so beautiful though. Look at him. He's so eager with those eager doe eyes, those little big brown eyes <laughs> popping out of his skull. He's just yeah. happy to be here. Yeah, he's thrilled. He's thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> I was complete. I, I was extremely happy with that. Of course, you know James, and so uh, I do. Of course, James has been on the podcast before for for those that heard, also known as Artsy Fartsy. And uh, so talented, so funny. Oh, I fully agree. I've I found his stream pretty early in my Twitch career, but I was it was back when I was really just getting started and I was really nervous to talk in like a bigger streamers to me, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. I would still consider him a bigger streamer. 
I but like I've grown more now, so I'm a little more confident in other in other streams. But so I didn't really like ever make my voice heard at the time, but I thought his stream was really cool. And then as time went on, I realized how like friendly he was and how friendly his mm. community is. And uh, yeah, that's so like approachable and like accessible and like warm and welcoming and that kind of thing. It's so nice. Totally. Exactly. And so like I had also run into you a few times on the Internet, but not like actually, but seen, you know, tweets, I think, from you around the Twitter. Oh. Yeah, and I also used to be in this like one of when I first started streaming, I was in one of those sort of streamer networking groups, right? And uh, mm -hmm. they had this little section who to watch, and I remember they posted you in there, and it was during a stream <gasps> where you were, uh, yeah, it was like oh, I think you were doing a Shrek, like a Shrek. Oh thing. no, not the Shrek. I guess yes. you know what I'm talking about. I didn't. I, yeah, I, I wasn't, know exactly what you're talking about. I didn't get to watch it, but I saw, okay, a live Shrek performance. Yeah. Yep. That's going to be on my YouTube soon once I bother to edit it, even though it literally happened in May, but it was just so long. I still haven't edited it yet, but I did, I did recreate the entirety of Shrek with my friends live <laughs> on Twitch. So that's that was powerful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was really fun. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. Hell yeah. yeah. So. I guess my point, like, it's been a really cool little, for me, getting to know people that uh, I have, you know, uh, appreciated and respected throughout my career on the internet, mm -hmm. and now are people that I can actually, like, talk to. I don't know how to explain yeah. it, but it's like, when I started out, I was like, well, this person's, I'm never going to probably know this person. You know, maybe they're yeah, really no, cool. I've, I've had the exact same thing. Yeah. Where like um, one, of, one of my best friends in the whole wide world, Nova Lisi, she was like one of the first streamers who I ever watched um, and I admired her so much. Then we became like friends like really recently and I was like so excited about it. And then like the first streamer I ever watched point blank is like mutuals with me and really friendly with me. That's EBA. Um, and she's super nice. And it's so weird sometimes to look back and be like, Oh, if I could tell my past self, like, hey, you're going to be really close with that person, my past self would be like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's totally a surprise, but like a very mm -hmm. much a welcome one. I've I've mm -hmm. found that I've really been able to find a tribe of people that <clears throat> I really love. Like Twitch has allowed me to find a peer group that I, I, I really resonate with. And I've never really found that at another point in my life. So uh, I'm quite grateful yeah. for that. I, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of similar where it's like, uh, I'm very, I don't know, I don't want to sound like, uh, like aloof or that I think I'm hot shit or whatever, but I, I have trouble sometimes with people like, uh, having like a chemistry with people and like my, like it, at high school, I never like clicked with anybody, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and I never had like that, that friendship chemistry and really felt like heard and respected during conversations and same thing at university. And then when it comes to Twitch and my online friends, I have like such good chemistry with them and I'm like, Oh, there are people around that I actually get along with. They're just you know not exactly in my you know day-to-day -day life and that kind of thing um so it's really nice to just have surrounded myself with people that like, i have a good chemistry with and that i just really care about it's really nice just sort of spread all around the world that's like been the the fascinating mm. thing too to me is the friends i have now are just geographically all over but you know so i would have never met them if i hadn't if i hadn't sort of spread my wings onto the internet but i'm glad i did yeah I'm glad you did as well. You seem really cool. I like your content a lot. It's pretty interesting. Thank you. I try. <laughs> I'm always trying to work on new stuff. One of the things that I will say, and we, we, so before the show, you mentioned something you're very familiar with is streamer Twitter. And I sort of mm -hmm. like, I have, I've had a, maybe a complicated relationship. Right when I first started <laughs> streaming, I was following all the, everything, you know, Twitch related on Twitter. And maybe three or four months back, I, I did a, I divorced myself from streamer Twitter and I just muted 
I blocked people that I thought were toxic and I muted people that I kind of liked, but I just didn't want to see the stuff they liked or retweeted, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because it was just draining my energy. And so I'm curious, you've been in that space far longer than I have. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been streaming for about three years and I've been like actively, uh, using my Twitter, I would say since like February last year, probably. Yeah. Does it never like just feel, feel like it's destroying your brain? Cause for me, it just <laughs> annihilates me every time I open the blue bird app. Um, it's so weird because I don't think so. And I've had this conversation with people before where I 100% agree, like social media can be very toxic to people and it can give you like brain rot and the Bluebird app can be awful and that kind of thing. And I do fall prey to, you know, wind a little dopamine hit of like, ah, new number on post. I clicky, <laughs> click and check if there's more new number. I get that for sure. Um, and I have to like work on keeping my screen time low. But the mentality of streamer Twitter and stuff never really gets to me for some reason. Like I can from a far point and be like, oh yeah, that's an issue on streamer Twitter, but it never quite like hits me because I feel very like, I don't need to engage with that. I'm like, I don't need to tweet about that. I don't need to look at those tweets. I can just like keep scrolling. I don't need to care kind of thing. So I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't really rot my brain. I don't know. That is, I wish I could do that. I, I just get so fired up when I see... <laughs> For me, the thing that bothers me is is people being disingenuous or just like outright lying. Mm. And whenever I see it, I just immediately get really, really upset internally. And yeah, I think when I see like, I, mean, I don't know if like virtual virtue signaling would fall into that because in my head, I'm yes. like virtue signaling sometimes is good because in my brain, I have like this code of like, if something does more good than harm, it's just a good thing. So technically virtue signaling can be nice because it's like, okay, you're being fake, but at least I guess just spreading a nice message, like that's good. But uh, whenever I say like, that kind of thing, my brain is kind of like logs it is like this person gives me a weird vibe. And then I just like keep scrolling kind yeah. of thing. I don't really like, yeah. That is a good way to do it. Don't keep them close. Yeah. I do have sort of a mental ledger of interactions I've had with people on the internet or, or things I've seen people say on the internet to where if I ever mm. run into them again, I'm just always kind of keeping in mind. Like I like to give people a second chance, but I also just kind of know, yeah. like, well, they were pretty fake that one time. So like, just yeah, and it's cautious. weird too, because like the people that I have weird vibes about and that kind of thing, I just sort of keep it at arm's length and I don't bring them to be like a very close friend of mine or anything. Then I'll often hear like bad stuff about them where they like actively mistreated people. I'm like, cool. Now I can unfollow them and I'll like no love lost there. Like, yay. Kind of thing. Absolutely. People, <clears throat> I found that a lot of people can take it quite harshly when you unfollow them, which I was surprised by. I, cause, cause I just regularly purge the people I follow on any platform because I like to keep my feed kind of like focus on the people I actually care about. And so sometimes I'll just yeah. unfollow someone, even if I have no problem with them, but it's just cause I don't really, you know, keep up with them anymore. I don't really watch their streams. And then I've gotten some instances where I get a message from them afterwards, like where they're really mad. Uh -huh. So awkward. It's no, so awkward. I hate that. I one time I um I knew somebody who unfollowed someone and the person they unfollowed then went on like all of their content and like oh. liked it a bunch. And I'm like, that's so bad. I hate it. Oh, um, so, but yeah, so uh, it's so awkward. I only I think I'd only feel bad about someone unfollowing me if like 
if I was like mutuals with them and I had like spoken to them once or twice, if it was like a mutual who I hadn't spoken to before, but like I respected and I enjoyed the content and stuff and they unfollowed me, I'd be a little bit like, oh, that's a shame. Like I can't, oh, that's a shame. But if it was like someone who I considered a friend um, or like a decent acquaintance and they unfollowed me, then I'd be a little bit like, have I made a mistake? Yeah. Should I message them? Heard, especially if I hadn't posted a hot take recently or anything like that. I'd be like, yeah, what did I do? <laughs> why do you hate me yeah no I, yeah. I get that i don't really post that many hot takes i just post stuff like i want to get roared until you can throw a like hot dog down my pussy like it's a tunnel like you know it's <laughs> i know hot takes here just disgusting things <laughs> honestly that's kind of i i use my twitter relatively similar i do i do throw some maybe maybe stuff people will consider hotter takes well i'm i'm aggressively political and i've always been that way I, like from the genesis of my stream i've been i've talked politics on stream and stuff like that because it's just important to me mm -hmm. i'm like yeah, a of course, yeah pretty hardcore leftist so <clears throat> same z's and i'm pretty like vocal about it on stream as well and it's fun because then you just get like every time we see a cop in a game the whole yeah. chat just starts spamming <laughs> a cab and like pig emojis and it's yep. just really fun unity yep. <laughs> definitely i <laughs> yeah same here i love that i love that I, I also really enjoy there's a whole culture of 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 leftist streamers as well that I've only recently really kind of discovered but mm -hmm. I think that's kind of neat. I don't know a ton about it but it's definitely some something um, I want to dig more into. Like Lucid Fox is like... one of the ones I oh, know. Okay, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I love Lucid Fox. He's really cool. And I guess Central Committee is I think anarcho communist. They're like black rose. Yeah, I know of them. Icon. Yeah, I know them. I, I follow a bunch of uh leftist Twitch streamers, I'm pretty sure, like the Surfs TV and then um Lexi and I follow Bad Bunny as well. So I follow a bunch of like leftist streamers. Oh, I actually did not know that was Bad Bunny. I see the only reason I knew of Bad Bunny's name was from that uh that drama that went around a little while back with the whole Yeah. I felt really bad about that because like she's she does it as like a bit and she was doing it as a bit. That's what I and thought. Whenever, I thought it was a yeah, bit. It's because her tone wasn't like elevated enough. So like the average person looking at it out of context wouldn't see it as a bit. But like I do bits like that as well. But I'll really elevate and exaggerate my voice to be like, um, pretty offensive that like you're spending money on yourself. You could be spending it like on me. I'll, I always elevate my voice really comically so that if it did get taken out of context, there's no way anyone can misinterpret it. Not to like victim blame or whatever. I still think watching it, if you have a brain, you can tell like she's being like satirical. But yeah, that's no, what, I like, why saying. I think people jump on it because they weren't they were like that's not comical enough for my little monkey brain that's the interesting thing that tears me up about well i mean i guess really twitter is the only platform i see that does this um at least in a really bad way instagram maybe sometimes but not much and i i like instagram a fair amount because i can see all the art i like to consume and uh, mm -hmm. my feed is basically just tattoos art and fashion because i'm big into fashion and that's so that's great but yeah. i mean instagram is a good place uh, but then twitter like it makes me upset because, of course, I follow a lot of other leftists on Twitter, but a lot of the leftist dialogue, and this is true, I think, probably everywhere on the political spectrum, because it's just how people are. But people mm -hmm. will take, I don't know, people will, will circulate stuff that's, like, not fully truthful. And this isn't political, the, 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 the Bad mm -hmm. Bunny-like clip that circulated. But, you know, people taking that clip and then saying it is, you know, it is her actually, like guilting people for subs where it is a bit that mm -hmm. phenomenon of circulating you know x damning clip that's taken out of context from a larger stream happens all the time on twitter and always makes me really sad 
And it kind of freaks yeah, me out too. It's 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 very much it's just the power of outrage culture, which isn't uh, exclusive, of course, to streamer Twitter or even just social media. But like something, people love like rallying against some kind of thing that represents what they've always disliked like for example as well when this happens as well um even when they're not being hysterical even when it's a genuine person genuinely saying you know sub to me it's not that much money it's always a girl and she's always in like a just chatting kind of setup and of course that will go viral because it's yeah. playing into people's expectations like many people's oh, misogynistic wow. expectations and ideas so of course it goes viral because they're like yeah see i knew it and they'll I like never retweet even thought it. of that yeah that's so, like, like you, when all the hardcore gamers like, are like these just chatting women are ruining yeah. twitch and the yeah, so even right. even a person who isn't in like streamer Twitter or the Twitch culture, even as your average gamer guy who doesn't watch Twitch, will see that and still retweet it and like boost it because he'll be like, yeah, like I always knew about girls. Da, da, da. You never see clips of guy streamers being like that go viral ever. And it's not because they're not doing it and not because they're not making those jokes. It's because it's not playing into a narrative that's already existing, you know? No, you're exactly right. That makes a lot of sense. I had never thought about it like that. But it, it, yeah, it validates the worldview that they've been holding for a while. <laughs> Exactly. And it's so validating. and People love being validated. They love feeling like they're right. And they love having something to get angry at together. So like, of course, that kind of stuff goes viral. I think that Twitter's losing its power in regards to its ability to, <clears throat> you know, actually like cancel people, etc. Like, I think early on, people were canceled. And, and, and I think off, like, sometimes it's justified. Sometimes it isn't. I think it's really hard to know because almost nobody does their due diligence. Um, like as far as research goes, like, for example, if something goes viral and I'm trying to figure out what's going on, like maybe I care about it for some reason, maybe it's something mm -hmm. relevant to me politically, or I just like, it's a person I know. I usually read a few articles to try and figure out the whole situation and then, mm -hmm. or not the whole situation, but more of the situation. And then I go back yeah, and look at Twitter right. and I realize most of these people know, like just the information that was contained in whatever tweet started the trend. And then I realize how, mm -hmm. well, first of all, how dangerous it is. Second of all, though, I think a lot of other people... And the outside society are realizing how how trivial like the I guess the the research process or the evidence gathering process behind these kind of large scale cancellations is. And I don't I don't know if it has like the sting it once did. Yeah, it, it's kind of terrifying. I think it's again, it's just the nature of social media and that kind of thing. It's like it's so quick. It's like we see one post and like that post is all you'll see. It's up to you to go and look at the like extraneous stuff. It's not going to be given to you. And lots of people aren't going to go and make that effort and look at the con context and stuff, especially if the one thing they see. Like, for example, if I saw something where it was like, yeah, a cop was bad to somebody, I'd be like, ah, oh, yeah, I knew that. I hate cops. Yeah, yeah. same and here. I would, like, and I'm guilty and I would, of that. Like, I would be it. like, fuck yeah. that guy. He's garbage. Yeah, I, and, and I would believe it. And yeah. I would keep scrolling. Same but here. maybe if I Googled it, it would come up and it would be like, actually, the cop was defending a tiny baby duckling and didn't even actually hurt the person, which like did wouldn't happen, but you right. know, I get what you're saying, that yeah. could be the case. But like, I wouldn't look because I'm like, ah, well, be validated. Dopamine keeps scrolling. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm I'm very much guilty of that, especially when it's stuff I I resonate with, which is why a, a while ago I felt deeply betrayed by leftist Twitter because I thought that it was like my friends. I was like, ah, they get it. They're on board mm -hmm. with it and then i kept seeing things that kind of were red flaggy and i was like well that's not true actually though and i was like i want to believe you and i want to support you because like we have aligned political beliefs but this mm -hmm. like whatever this thing is is false and then and then i'd start to then i started to get more and more suspicious and then i felt like deleting my twitter because i just felt like i was in a world of lies yeah, that, that's where like curation can be so important. I don't follow oh, yeah. you know every leftist creator that I that I see or even that I think I might like. It's just I make sure that 
I'm not going to get brain rot looking at this stuff because the last thing you want is to follow somebody and really like their stuff and they come out with some horrible opinion out of nowhere and you're like, oh my God, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. And it can really shake you up too, uh, especially yeah. if you thought that was a person you really like revered. Yeah. And then you wouldn't want that to like impact your uh, idea of the entire movement or anything like that because the movement's so much more like a couple of people on Twitter. Absolutely. And, and the thing I found, especially during quarantine with me being... Of course, I mean, I'm always tied into my computer because I'm a bit of a hermit, but especially now <laughs> when I really, there's not much I can do in the outside world. I found that Twitter was occupying a lot more real estate in my mind and that like the, the, it, it kind of creates this false reality, like this illusion of how people are and how the world is. And if you spend mm -hmm. too much time on any, any platform, but Twitter, I think does a really good job of like sucking you in. You start to think people everywhere acts like all the people on Twitter, which isn't oh true. Oh my God, yeah. No, yeah, the socialization of it is so real. And it's it's real and like, it, it's kind of, I mean, it's probably more than twofold, but in my brain it's twofold. Cause it's like one, you'll think that, and then you'll get like a bit of a culture shock when you step into quote unquote, you know, the real world. And then second of all, um, there's a different, uh, uh standard that people are held to in that kind of thing on twitter uh and online as well in like certain circles where it's like you can't hold someone in the everyday to these kind of standards so they, they can be very critical on twitter it's so, like you can say something oh, yeah. uh on twitter that's very short like you'd be like oh i i hate seeing people complain about things they could change and then someone could come at you and be like it's pretty ableist and it's like what no i just didn't have enough character room to like clarify exactly what i meant and that kind of thing and in the real world you can't persecute people for lack of nuance because they will have another sentence to say to explain right. themselves whereas on twitter you don't have that so it can really like change uh it can be kind of dangerous if you subscribe too much to like the very like persecutory i don't know might like mindset that twitter can have kind of thing i don't know not to say that uh people criticizing things for being ableist is bad it's just an example of how the no lack i of totally get what you mean. online gives you can you know yeah well it's just it's extremely easy to be misunderstood uh, on twitter mm -hmm. and yeah no, it's, oh yeah because like, also to frame tone. someone like in a certain way yeah, yeah like you can't convey tone on Twitter either. So absolutely, like, absolutely. Yeah, it's just it, it's of all the social media platforms, Twitter is the one that has given me the most negative vibes, and I still like using it for you know content reasons, and I still like tweeting mm -hmm. stuff like a human being could easily fit an entire octopus in their anus. You know, like that's just beautiful. Just I <laughs> love you. that. That's the ambition, the drive, the imagery, the imagination. Well, you know, it's just like the octopi can fit in remarkably small holes. And that that thought crossed my mind. And I think I had recently seen a tweet about raccoons Two, someone could fit like two whole raccoons in their anus. And I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing. You know, and I definitely dead raccoons. I don't think a live raccoon would let you. I, yeah. Oh, no, no. I think it was just like a hypothetical. I think supposedly mm, raccoons can sneak themselves into really small spaces. So on someone's so some enterprising scientist on the internet <laughs> realized that the amount of space uh -huh. available on a human anus would be enough to fit like one and a half raccoons, I think it was. But interesting. Okay, that blew my mind. I, I, that's beautiful. I think um, I remember I I know somebody um, and I, I think they're really they're really like intelligent with their idea on this where they they say that they don't put any of their soul onto Twitter anything that, like they truly deeply care about they just don't put onto Twitter um, and that means they do miss out on like express um political views and that kind of thing um but it just is healthier for them because 
they can't get a backlash by anything they really care about. They'll just like log on, make a funny tweet, and then they'll just leave. And that's what they, they want to use that platform for. And I think that's like quite smart. I put stuff that I care about on Twitter um, in a way, like I'll put, you know, my political views and my activism, that kind of thing. But I would never put any insecurities on Twitter. I would never post anything where there's a risk where any kind of reply will affect my mental health at all kind of thing. And I think that's a really good way of doing it, honestly, is not putting your all online because that can really hurt your brain. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that's definitely a good way to do it. I've been I've been reevaluating for the past few months, like how much of a relationship I should just have with the Internet as a whole when I'm not streaming. Mm -hmm. And so like I used to be plugged in more or less all the time and I've been kind of pulling back, not fully, but I've been trying to respect my own time a lot more, which has helped my brain quite a bit. That's good. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a very, um, it's probably one of my like major flaws really is I'm very like internet and PC addicted. I like grew up on the internet cause I, my parents didn't look after me. So I was just like online all the time basically. Uh, and it means like, I just, I think I spend like an unhealthy amount of time online and I'm like, I should probably not do that. But then like my job is online and I'm like, ah, well now I'm here. <laughs> That's actually, you know, I, I mean, I spent quite a bit of time on the internet as well. I was like only child, massive nerd. And I didn't like fit in in a lot of the, in a lot of the, the groups at the school and whatnot. So mm -hmm. I, I just, uh, yeah, I was, I was deep into the internet. And so I think that's, it's always been a place I felt comfortable. And so I always tend to spend, I mean, I spend an insane amount of time on it. Don't get me wrong. Most of my time <laughs> I spent in front of this computer, but I've been having to dial it back just because I realized it was taking a lot of my energy before I got to use it on stuff I really cared about. Right. Yeah. Giving you some like fatigue and that kind of thing. That totally makes sense. That's good that you notice this kind of thing as well, because some people will just let themselves like burn out and run dry on it. Yeah. Well, see, I found myself wanting to learn more things because like lately I've been mm. on this uh, process of learning how to use um specifically right now premiere adobe premiere and then photoshop oh, cool. and after effects and i've also been trying to learn how to play the piano um that's awesome i like that and so these are all things i want to do but then i would spend so much time doing social media stuff and then i would just be it's so easy too out. because it's like it's just like on your phone as well you can be like ah brief oh. break from piano i'll just pick up my phone oh three hours have passed great like it's it's so dangerous, dangerous. my <laughs> yeah. phone broke actually two weeks ago and i just oh. now got a new one and i realized in that time how much i used my phone before yeah no it's 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 ridiculous i i tried really hard i remember when the um when the, the Black Lives Matter protests about George Floyd were at their height and that kind of thing, I had to like literally restrict myself from my phone because I was just caught, I wanted to be plugged in so much because I was like, this is really important. I have to keep up with absolutely everything going on. And I had to like install like things in my brain where I'm like, I will put my phone down now for two hours and I won't come back to it. And I had to do that to make sure that I was like mentally healthy because otherwise I'd be on my phone just the whole day. I was the same way that I think mm -hmm. actually, I think a lot of us were sort of brain like emotional fatigue from that period uh hit me like almost a month later because i was really dialed in i had even organized a big charity stream at the time um, oh, that's so we good. actually raised a ton of money way more than i expected awesome. i think close to i can't actually remember i want to say like thirty five hundred dollars at the end of it that's insane that's so good nice it was quite exciting and cool especially that's yeah. something i really cared about and i didn't think of course yeah. my original goal is 500 and uh oh. i got smashed so quick i was blown that's away so that's amazing you've done so much good that's really freaking cool praxis i uh like to think of it as but yeah so like i <laughs> for me that's i mean as a, as a leftist and as a leftist who's regularly engaged in, in protest and civil disobedience mm -hmm. and whatnot that was like a moment where i was like okay everyone's rallying this is the time to act more than ever 
And so I was fully plugged into everything. I was watching all the latest like stuff that was coming out. Like, you know, I was keeping track of Twitter, reading news articles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it definitely like kind of overwhelmed me. I should have dialed it back sooner, but. Yeah, I, I didn't actually get um, a, an emotional fatigue from it. I, d I did get the fatigue of like being on my phone all the time um, and feel I did feel very emotional about what was going on and that kind of thing. But I didn't burn out, as it were, I don't think. Um, I don't know why. I'm just I'm very glad that I didn't. I think I, I what I put it down to was because I like have um, I don't know. I, just, I always like post anti-racist stuff and I always share that kind of stuff. So I didn't feel i didn't like have to really intensely learn a lot of stuff at once or like post a lot of stuff at once or anything like that because some, some people were like learning a lot about anti-racism and that kind of thing in that moment and that must have been like so much like information flood for them um but and that's probably contributed to a lot of like ally fatigue and that kind of thing um i can imagine absolutely i think mm -hmm. a big part of it for me is i've been extremely critical of the police for a very long time mm -hmm. um I think it really started for me when I my I myself was arrested and and yeah. spent a little bit of time in jail and I kind yeah. of realized that how fucked up it all was like I kind of knew mm -hmm. before but I hadn't really seen it or experienced it and so mm -hmm. then I started paying a lot more attention and the more I learned about it over the years the more like keyed in I got and then when I just saw like all the videos you know coming about what the US police were were doing and just like how yeah. horrible it was i was so angry and i just felt so powerless to stop it uh, yeah, I get angry about it a lot. I do. I, I remember, um, I think for me, when I was bestowed to be very anti-cop was around Ferguson when I was uh, like a teenager and I was on Tumblr and Ferguson was happening. Uh, that was when I was very like, okay, cops are not the good guys. But I remember yeah. growing up, um, I I don't know what I have. I think I have ADHD, but like growing up, whatever I had, it was a lot worse. And I would have like uh, seizures almost sometimes. And I had like, like screaming fits and I would never hurt anybody, but I would like have a seizure from stress. And I remember hearing stories and the news and stuff about people um having like autistic meltdowns or having bipolar manic episodes and having the police called on them because people around them wouldn't know what else to do and the police would show up and they would kill the person and i grew up terrified that was going to happen to me so i never really saw them as like a, if i'm in trouble i'll call the cops because i oh, yeah, in my no head way. was like they might kill me um and obviously i'm like i'm like a little skinny white woman i'm not at you know, very high risk um, if I was to call the cops for any reason, as opposed to like a black person, of course. Um, but I even then I just because they're, they're ableist as well, I grew up terrified of them. So I never really saw them as the good guys. So it was very easy for me as I learned more to be like, yeah, they're, they're not, it's not the good guys. They're the bad guys. <laughs> Whereas it's hard for a lot of people who grow up seeing them as law enforcement and like the law is good and they're there to help and seven protection. It can be hard for those people to sort of come over to seeing what I consider to be the truth of them not being good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think up until yeah. maybe my senior year of high school, I was still relatively okay with the police. And then I just started to do a lot more uh, mm. digging and research. And then, and then like I very quickly radicalized in a year where I was like, Oh yeah, they really are the enemy, huh? Like this is, yeah, this is so bad, you know, and, and so I'm glad I I'm glad I came up on that. But it was also just, I think, a really interesting journey. I had a lot of friends and family that had never kind of been down that road until until recently, you know, until kind of the the wake of of George Floyd being killed by the police. They mm -hmm. then began doing a lot more digging and research and were kind of like coming to me and they're like, oh, I get what you've been saying all these years about the police. I'm like, yeah. 
And I was like, I'm Alan glad you, I'm glad you have found it. Yeah. Happy about that. I was happy to see a lot of like fellow like, streamers and that kind of thing becoming very vocally radicalized. And I was like, nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. The, uh, I'm not sure. So I'm a big philosophy guy. I don't know if you know that about me. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I think you mentioned it. I think, I think you mentioned that. And I was like, heck yeah. I, uh, there's this amazing philosopher named Hegel who wrote this book called The Phenomenology of the Spirit. And he has this idea called the, uh, the dialectic, the Hegelian dialectic, it's often referred to. And mm -hmm. this idea that like as, as time progresses uh, throughout history, we go through, you know, dark ages and we go through enlightenments and mm -hmm. each period of history has a lesson that mankind learns and takes with them. And we slowly advance ourselves towards a gradually better civilization. That's, that's the dialectic. Okay. And so actually right. Marx was also a fan of like di dialectical uh, materialism was, was a theory mm -hmm. that Marx proposed. And uh, I just, I find whenever I see that kind of thing happening, like people slowly waking up to the truth, to me, it feels mm -hmm. like the dialectic is in motion. And that to me is one of the more optimistic philosophies because it's like eventually things yeah. will get better kind of thing. And who knows if it's true? Like philosophy is, there's so many philosophies out there on everything that you could ever conceive. Then there's no yeah, way of they knowing which one's true. Yeah, they all apply to certain situations and that right. kind of thing. Yeah. Well, if there's um, one thing that philosophy taught me is that there's just a like there's an infinite number of ways of looking at something and understanding something. So you should always call yourself into question. Yeah, like there's no sort of absolute sort of absolutes in that way. Um, I, I definitely I was very optimistic, and I'm still optimistic uh when the george floyd stuff was happening and i did and when you know ferguson was happening it's strange because it's almost like a it's like a it's an optimism but it's also just like a, a bit like bittersweet because i it's just horrible that it even has to happen for us to wake up i wish we could just wake up without anyone having to die you know yeah um but yeah i guess it's just a being a part of history kind of thing and just hoping that we are moving towards something better i just wish that it wasn't such a heavy cost yeah, no, absolutely. I um, I saw it, and I guess one of the things that I saw that's interesting for the U.S. is when the USA experiences great tragedy, a lot of times. Okay, okay. Let me let me let me reframe this. But in the U.S., mm -hmm. we have a very like Amer Americentric view. You know, we we don't mm -hmm. often even consider yes. other countries, even other countries that have you know, a, a big presence and in, in, on the airwaves, you know, on media, countries you'd think that we'd consider because we see them represented in front of us, like the UK, for example, like a lot of mm -hmm. Americans don't even like consider the UK, even though like, obviously the UK plays a big it's role, the, not only yeah. in our own history, but also, you know, uh, the, 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 the stuff we consume. Mm -hmm. And so I think like the world around us, there's always horrible human rights violations going on and tragedies all over the world but mm -hmm. most people in the u.s never even know about it or, or make an effort to know about it or it's not it's not even on the news here more often than not and Which so especially ironic because the u.s is causing a lot of them sometimes exactly meddling. <laughs> that's why they uh they skip over it in the history textbooks you know what i mean like mm -hmm. all this all this stuff and they'll they'll sometimes yeah. acknowledge a little bit of it but they will never acknowledge the true nature of it so whenever something really horrible happens in the u.s Everyone in the U.S. is like, oh, my God, like the world is becoming such a horrible place. I'm like, no, no, it's been like this. It just doesn't happen mm -hmm. to you as much. But like if you were paying attention, you'd notice that this has been a problem for a long time. Absolutely. Yeah. And and the protests and that kind of thing. It's like we've seen those sorts of things happening in France a ton. They they happened in the U.K. once or twice recently and that kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, we've we've been doing that. This is what happens. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like this is this is a 
a long, you know, this has been happening for a while. That's always I, been. I an feel interesting like America idea. has to be a very like America centric um, to sustain itself and to survive. And you have to. I mean, again, I'm. I was. I grew up in Australia, and when I was eighteen, I moved to the UK. I've never lived in the US or anything, but I have a best friend who's always lived in the US. Um, she's Burmese American, um, and in my head, it's like the US has to make you think it's the center of the world, and it has to make you think that otherwise they'll fall apart. Like you have to believe that capitalism is the only functional way. You have to believe oh, that. Yeah. No, it's totally normal to pay this much for your house. No, no, that's normal it has to be this way it can't be any other way and it's like don't look at the uk where they also pay the same amount of tax but then they get free health care don't look at that don't, don't look, look at germany and or anything don't like look that. at that yeah like, oh, i was so blown away i have a friend that lives in germany and they were telling me about how many of the like socialist policies are just like commonplace in the german like system mm-hmm. and are like accepted without any real you know like people yeah. are fine with it you know it, like like universal health care in america is this absurd concept and the idea of free college but germany's been doing it for a while and i was like wait that's true. Yeah, the like, American what the left heck? is like the European center right. Like, it's, yeah, it's, oh it's, it boggles the mind that you know Bernie being like, "Yeah, universal healthcare." Everyone's like, "Socialism, this is out of control," and it's yeah. like that's such a People normal scream proposal. communism and riot, yeah. They're freaking out. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's just leftover propaganda from the Red Scare, really. But yeah, our Democratic Party is like, I would say, yeah, like center right is what I would say. Very, yeah, it's yeah, and that's why obviously they sabotage Bernie so much because he was yep. more left than they would like. Even though, again, he's not that left internationally speaking. Yep, it's very interesting. The the mm. narrow scope of the American worldview, or the average American worldview, I should say, mm. is uh, yeah. always something that I find well kind of upsetting, but also like fascinating in an anthropological sense. Yeah, in like a morbid kind of way. Yeah, it's very, yeah, like it's very brainwashing. So, it's so bizarre. You know, it's such a unique occurrence. And I don't think, I don't think many other countries are quite like that, like us in that regard. Mm, or not in a way, at least that we would we would know because we haven't sort of grown up there. That's or anything. true. So yeah, I would I would definitely say Australia has its it has its ways of like socializing and nationalizing people, but I don't think it's as intense as America uh, is at all. It seems to me that America has this intense zeal it tries to instill in all of its citizens mm. that, yeah, like like you said, that America is the only way and that, um, you know, we're the we're the best country on earth. Like you hear people tell you that all the time growing up here. We're the best country on earth, best country on earth, all that and the other. And they're like, and we're the good freedoms, guys. And it's like you don't have even the most freedoms, even slightly, <laughs> yeah. if you look at a list like no. And especially I, I guess you're right when they say the zeal, because it's like um, when people want to, you know, carry arms, they cite the, the Constitution and when people uh, talk about like that, there's just this kind of um, confederate flag kind of thing you know when they want to express themselves and they they sort of resort to like the constitution and like my my american right i'm an american citizen it's a free country like they don't say like oh it's my human right to have a gun or like i would like a gun because i feel safer they're very like it's my right in the like, american constitution and it's just very oh, like wow, that's very interesting nationalized i don't know that's how i see it at least no no that's a very good point that that it's yeah, like, like american first over the humanity even just like in these simple cognitive slip-ups which i think a lot of times are quite telling uh Especially like language is a big part of philosophy and the language one uses. And so it's always, I think, significant to focus on the word choices people make. Mm, yeah, no, absolutely. Because it's very revealing as to as to how they're rationalizing themselves and what they've been told their whole lives. Exactly. Wow. That's actually, I, I find that extremely interesting. I definitely, once I became a lot more critical, I, I mean, I began reading a lot of uh, alternative histories of the U.S. in high school, mm-hmm. Marxist histories, for example. I dug... A lot into Che Guevara. I read his biography and learned about him. And then I learned um, mm-hmm. 
just general, yeah, general like Marxist retellings. Because I was really into history in high school, and one of the things that you learn in that field, of course, is just that there are different ways of looking at history. You know, there's the revisionists, there's the Marxists, there's you know, et cetera. And, and absolutely, and they and from what I'm aware, they very much show you history through American eyes. They um, do when you're growing up in high school. Yeah. Well, I had one really good high school uh, teacher, and I was in a program called the IB program. So we did have generally a little more of like international perspective. I guess it stands for International Baccalaureate. I don't know what Baccalaureate okay. means exactly, but <laughs> fancy class. Yeah, and it was a pain in the ass, but I did learn some good shit. And my history professor or teacher was I'm pretty sure he was himself a right wing type of dude but he okay. never injected his politics into the classroom discussion and he would give us like opportunities to read Marxist histories if we so choosed that's good of him okay yeah. it was yeah and he gave us those resources it wasn't like mm -hmm. he would give you just one thing he would tell you what we were studying and he and he would give you a wide range of things to pick from you like here's this Marxist mm -hmm. perspective if you want to take that road and um, that was the first opportunity I ever had to even touch a Marxist history. And that, that mm -hmm. definitely helped me develop my perspective. Yeah, I think Marxism for me came into, it's weird um, because I remember growing up in Australia, our history, we, <laughs> it was so dumb. We, so we have uh, 12 years of school um, and like the last six is high school. Uh, I know you guys have like middle school and that kind of thing, but we have like years one to six, uh, kindergarten to six, and then you have year seven to 12 and year seven to 12 is high school. And years um, seven to 12, for some reason, all we ever learned was about like the world wars and Australia's participation <laughs> in them. So we didn't even learn about like, the Holocaust, we just learned about what Australia did in World War II, and I was like, what? And then in the last two years of high school, I took ancient history and modern history, and those two were like, now we're going to learn who JFK is, and that the Holocaust happened, and I was like, this is such new information, and that was all from like a, an Americanized perspective, because... I guess we just like referred to those sources instead because it was like these are American events. Um, but I thought that was really funny how growing up I was like, I didn't learn anything about history except here's what Australia did. And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> That's honestly the same way it is uh, in the US. Just, of course, it's oh, the US. God. It's unfortunate. It's, so it's a terrible it's education. Awful. Yeah. It yeah, is awful, like, especially because the, the world wars. wars. <laughs> I don't know. Like, that. I've been beaten over the head with world war history so many times. It's just like, I'm sick of it personally, and I know a lot of people that aggressively stand World War II history, which to me nowadays is a, That's red, a flag. red flag. Yes, yeah. oh, <laughs> I agree a hundred percent. If someone's like, "I'm super into World War II history," I'm always a little sketch. A lot of the people I meet that yeah. are really into World War II history and have like the models of battles are also Nazis. Yeah, it's like, oh, <laughs> if you were like, yeah, I'm really into like uncovering like the Jewish experience during World War II, I'd be like, that's fascinating. Love that. Very interesting. But if someone's just like, I like World War II and the battles, and it's like, this is a bit weird now, buddy. <laughs> and then they start, um, usually okay. the next thing they'll say is, you know, the German war machine was quite advanced. And then they just start. <laughs> you know, the, the numbers actually aren't right because they couldn't burn yeah. the bodies that quickly. Yeah. And it's like, please shut uh -oh. up, shut yeah. up, shut up. <laughs> I'm always, I'm always on guard when someone tells me they're super into World oh, War II. God, honestly, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> but I mean, so who is in Australian history? I played Civilization mm -hmm. Six, so I know a little bit about Australia. There's a guy named That's John Curtin who's their leader. I don't know what his deal is. What did he do? I don't know. Wasn't he like the first prime minister or something? I think that's what it is. But I only know that from Civ. I know that from Civ. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. We don't. 
<laughs> who? But like, I remember I was very lucky that in years one to six, a lot of the history that we would learn was like Aboriginal stuff. And I was like, this is neat. I like yes. this a lot more because I care a lot about uh, Aboriginal Australia and stuff because I grew up, like I said, I was on the internet all the time and I was on Tumblr as a kid. So I was a very politically minded kid and I was very like, this is stolen land. And everyone was like, shut up, you're like 13. And I was like, no. Nah. Um, <laughs> so I care a lot about Aboriginal Australia. So I, I tend to always be like, I don't want to learn about early Australian history because it's just genocide on genocide on genocide on genocide. I'd really rather not. <laughs> Like, I mean, as, as in, I don't really want to like learn about like the white figures in it. And of be course, like, yeah, yeah, I love the first prime minister. What a cool guy. Well, that's yeah. They I mean, they totally just glaze over. I mean, history is quite literally whitewashed in that regard. We're, we're mm -hmm. native peoples of virtually every region and their histories are completely paved over by whoever colonized them first. Absolutely. And we like completely erase it by, you know, sterilizing and killing them and then yep. you know, systemically depriving them of education and ability to express themselves and their histories. And so we never end up learning about those histories because we've taken away every possible route they had to give it to us. And then we silence anyone who tries to tell us different. And then it's up to like the children of these generations to try and recover what's lost. And it's just so tragic. And I'm like, ah. In America, of course, the, the Native Americans, we learn in school that, you know, uh, the early it, the U.S. was bad to the Native Americans. They're like, it was really bad, mm -hmm. but we're better now. That's basically all they tell you about it. <laughs> and they don't even even scratch the surface of what really happened. I took a really in-depth anthropology course about North American uh, uh, indigenous peoples. And what I learned about specifically the United States was it was it was fully new information of this whole process of of indoctrination and uh, what's the word assimilation especially with these private schools. One of them was the, the most famous was called the Carlisle School, where they would force mm -hmm. all of these tribes to give up their youth and send them off to this boarding school where they were, every single artifact they had from their native tribe was burned ceremonially in front of the school. They were, their heads were shaved and they were punished anytime they spoke their native language. And so they yeah. functionally erased a huge chunk of the culture by doing that. Mm. And to me, that's oh, just that's so like they not only like, killed the experience. people, but they killed the culture, too. Isn't that just like it? Yeah. I and no one, no one. It, you have to take a very specialized anthropology course, you know, to like hear about that. Or, you know, you have to go out and do the research on your own or something. But like within mm -hmm. the American school system, you're never going to run into that information unless you go out of your way to find it. And I think that's shocking. Yeah, and no, absolutely not, because they very much are trying to push that like whitewash narrative and that kind of thing. And it's just so like, and it's also a lot of when it comes to, um, and again, I'm obviously saying this from a place like I'm like a white chick. I have like entirely white heritage and that kind of thing. So I'm coming from a place of privilege. Like, yeah, it's so awful. So I don't want to sound like aloof or anything like that but um i think it's horrible how it's very like we're taught um like by like the narrative and stuff it's like oh yeah we like killed a bunch when we first got here but then we stopped and yep. like in that's truth, what they it's say like, here too yeah it's, and it's total like, bullshit no yeah like for with australia it's like yeah we we killed a bunch of the aboriginals but then we employed them and it was <laughs> fine and i'm like right so what about the bit where you were taking the kids away we from the families them with capitalism we saved them and we even give them their own little piece of land to live in. What do you mean? It's the most like infertile piece of land available yep. and no one else even wants to live there. Wow. And we kind of just shove them off over there. No, they're so lucky. They get their own little bit of land. That's so nice. And I'm like, no, that's exactly what they did it. here. They, yeah. They push them off into yeah. the most undesirable parts of America. And that's where they put the yeah. reservations. 
that are still brutally impoverished to this day in most cases. Absolutely, yeah. And then they don't. And then when a pandemic happens, they're not built to withstand that kind of thing in the reservations because they don't have a good medical system because we don't give them one. Yeah. Even though they're like immune systems and stuff. And I and I've I've I follow a couple of indigenous people on TikTok. Um and they have like some interesting resources about how that they say like their bodies feel so much better when they start eating like what their ancestors used to eat and what their family used to eat and that kind of thing, because biologically they're still like it's like if you went back into like Victorian times and gave a kid a Dorito, you probably just like dropped on dead. Um right, where right, yeah. like the indigenous people like they feel so much better when they eat like the natural foods and stuff. And I'm like, that's so interesting to think about. And it's, again, a representation of how we're just killing them by being like, nah, take our stuff. Have all of our things. It'll work for you. Take it. It's, to me, almost this just part two of the whole narrative that these old European explorers would have, where they're like, I'm bringing civilization to the savages. And <laughs> we're that's, helping them. Yeah, that's ex- that's it's more or less just that with a reskin. That's what I see it, it as. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for sure. It's like... We're like helping them to this. They're helpless and undereducated, but we'll help them. Yeah, it's it's it always it always frustrates me. But then I I luckily, you know, in the past few years have really found a lot of activist friends and and, and peers. And I do (laughs) take some solace in the fact that at least I can be part of the group pushing for for change. Yeah, there's a really good um, uh, Lottie Blix. I follow them on on Twitter. They're a, they're an indigenous individual, and they're they they have some like interesting. They keep up keep up to date on news and that kind of thing. And I like their stuff. I'm gonna check this out. Where can I go to find this? Yeah. It's Lottie Blix. So L O T T I E B L I X. Yeah. Awesome. Right on. Yeah, they're cool. So I, in regards to to Twitch as a whole, as a as a society, as a as a strange phenomenon, I found like Twitch culturally seems to be, and this is a bit of a pivot from what we were talking about, but quite different no, from everything else I've experienced. Like Twitch's culture is, I think a lot of people expect maybe it's going to be somewhat like YouTube, but it's totally not. Mm. Yeah, no, it's not because YouTube. Um, in my brain, I I don't have. I'm not. I'm not a famous rich YouTuber. Just a heads up, in case you thought I was. I know I have <laughs> the looks for it, but I'm not. Okay, it's very like, of course, clout. Uh, that is the oh, higher yeah. ranks of everything. But very like new money. Very like excitable. Um, just like that kind of thing. Very very like appealing to normies in my head, honestly. Um, yeah, I see and the then same Twitch way. is like. You have some of the top people on Twitch, like XQC, having a PC with no case and living in like filth and that kind of thing. Um, no shame to him, whatever. He just, I think he knows and like, like he used to well, like have like a really nice dude. Asmund Gold, he also lives in filth, I'm pretty sure. I've... Yeah. And then like set up and streams inside a closet. Um, and then there's just like, it's just like, it, it's an entirely different thing where it's like the, the gamer dude who has like um, just a mattress and no bed frame is like, one of the biggest dudes on Twitch kind of thing. Um, so yeah. it's a very different mentality from the jump. You know, it's very Oh, gamer. yeah, you're right. YouTube is like, look at our sick-ass mansion and all these Ferraris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're and then so Twitch right. is like, I have glowy RGB and also bad lighting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Terrible lighting. Like you said, no bed frame. Literally nothing in this house other than my my mm-hmm. PC that's like actually just hanging from the roof. My passion for Valorant. No <laughs> my passion for Valorant. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And that's that's like the upper crust of Twitch. I feel yeah. so disconnected from that world of Twitch. And I was having a conversation with my friends the other day uh, about how 
the idea of streaming one game, and I know this is still huge on Twitch. People come in and they're like, I'm a, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2 streamer. Or I'm a Call of Duty <laughs> streamer. To me, that's never been how I approach Twitch. And like all the friends I've made, you know, like James, like um, I'm not sure if you know Uncle Joe, but Joe's been definitely someone who's been kind of a mentor to me. Okay. That like the 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 scene that I'm around on Twitch is so very different from that, but it's also an extremely small part of Twitch. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I often forget how the larger culture of the platform is. Yeah, no, on me as well. Almost, I love my little um, little bit of Twitch. I, I don't think I'm on. I remember we had a conversation where we called it. We were on alt Twitch. I don't yes. think I'm on. Um, yeah, I'm on as niche a bit of alt Twitch as you are. Like I am friends with like mainstream people that are like not like big, but they're like you know mid level, so like 500 viewers and lower and that kind of thing. But they are the very mainstream individuals. Um, so I'm friends with them, but I really do like my little niche and i'm like i have no interest in branching out at all i yeah. found people i like i'm gonna stay here <laughs> don't make me leave same here yeah someone was telling me the other day i was trying to explain kind of how i stream to somebody i was like well i'm very performance focused and i do mm -hmm. a fair amount of chatting but for me it's like it's about putting on some sort of like a um a show and they're like oh mm -hmm. so like dr disrespect and i was like oh i mean not really. No. <laughs> Not really. First of all, I'm still on Twitch. Yeah. <laughs> I just like, I just, but that's when I realized I said, I realized that to someone who browses most of Twitch, how would they understand that? Because the, 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 the standard for Twitch content is like Dr. Disrespect in terms of Twitch content is actually really like compared to all the other people in his same tier, I guess his hmm. is like extremely different. Yeah, he has like very high production value. And yeah, like a he's doing his character and, like, and he has bits and stuff, yeah. which is, yeah. yeah. And I don't I really care I for his streams, like, but I, he is, I think, in a way, like the person that, like, I, I, as much as I don't really care for him, he definitely pioneered the idea that a Twitch stream could be more than like a gamer guy gaming. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, from like a high level and then still appeal to the mainstream. I remember like I would tell people uh, at my day job back when I worked like in corporate UK uh, that I did Twitch streaming and they'd be like, oh, like Ninja. And I was like, not even <laughs> slightly the same as Ninja. Stop. No, that's so harsh. I was like, not even nowhere near. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like not even in size. I'm just like, there's nothing like content. None of it is the same. It's extremely hard for me to, uh, yeah, to, to the same thing. Cause I, I, sometimes people I know from, I used to work in the art world before this, I worked in fashion and art and I, I used to do some, uh, work with a spray paint artist and I did a little spray painting myself anyway. So I, mm. I, I had a, like a complicated journey and then somehow I ended up here on Twitch and I, uh, trying to get some of my older friends to come check it out it's always hard to explain because they're like isn't that just video games and i'm like well you're not wrong like that is most of the platform and even like i still do some some gaming but there's there's more to it than that it's hard to explain it until you're actually there yeah i'm a very like i don't even know what i want my stream to even make some starting oh, it back yeah, in the swing either. of it and be full-time that kind of thing and i'm like yeah i want to do like tabletop RPGs and I want to play games and I also want to recreate films with my friends and I also want to do cult streams with my friends so I want to do just chatting and makeup and it's just and then I sound weird if I'm like I'm a variety streamer I'm like no I'm not oh I hate the phrase no, variety no, streamer I'm just Holly it says I'm nothing Holly, I don't know. yeah, yeah I, I get that I'm a story based streamer because I like narrative driven games a lot so I say that but then that doesn't really leave room for my more like just chatting and like creative stuff but eh. I never know how to describe it because because variety streamer doesn't 
capture it at all. Variety streamer basically says nothing about someone. I, I kind of resent that phrase just because, like, what does that even mean? You know, you're like just saying I stream yeah. a lot of things, and it's like, well, what things? You know, and uh, I, I I've started to see Twitch more as I try to perform, but I also kind of have been viewing it as just a ground for me to experiment with new ways of creating that maybe I end up using elsewhere after Twitch or at the same time. But yeah, no, absolutely. I one of my really one of my best friends, uh, Yellow Spoon Girl, uh, you would love her stuff if you don't know. I actually do. I do. I really enjoy yeah. her innovative camera angles with. Uh, yeah, I know. She's, a, she's a pioneer of the nose cam. Yeah, yes, I love such a pioneer. I, yeah, <laughs> such incredible stunning. It's going to catch on. It's going to catch on. Um, but uh, I was going to say, yeah, she used to say, you know, um, She's like, yeah, like, I really hope, you know, one day I get to be, like, on TV or have a TV show or something because, like, you don't want your end game to be Twitch. Like, you'll go I insane. Like, that. you need Fully. to be able to move forward after Twitch. Um, Absolutely. Which I think is a really good mindset to have, like, wanting, knowing that you're more than just the platform that you're on. I also lately have just been really, like, not cool with Twitch uh, for a lot of reasons. Oh, yeah, no, they've had so many. I counted, it, I think it's, like, seven PR fuck-ups in the last couple of months, and I'm like, please. Ugh. <laughs> all so of that many. really pisses me off and even just beyond that underlying it being part of the little scene of people on twitch and seeing so many amazing creators just get like denied partnership by twitch and just getting nothing <laughs> i was talking with joe about this uh <laughs> i said they take everything and they give you nothing and uh, <laughs> that's how it feels i think for if you're not part of mainstream gamer Twitch, it doesn't feel like they give a shit about you at all, even though you give them yeah. so much. And that hurts. Yeah, like uh, ASMR streamers are so fucked over by this ad thing. It yep. is, uns it's like not they even just, functional It doesn't even them. feel like they give a shit about anyone else on the platform. Yeah, and it's so weird. It's almost, I don't know, I'm not a business person. I like run like a social media mar marketing thing, but I'm not a business in trained individual. But like, I'm like, this can't, be, this can't be making you money. Like this can't be good. Like if you were like a bit nicer and more supportive, you could get so much more. Like ASMR can make so much money. Yeah. September could have made so much money. You just messed it up so badly. Why are you doing it this way? We're all so mad. And like, you, if I you don't know. Like they us, could make like, Twitch so much more too. I feel like if they just embrace the like variety of content that exists in the platform. But they seem yeah. so dead set on being like this is our esports gaming platform. And I'm like it's it could be so like, much more. They've done a little where, like, I think it used to be, I could be wrong, but I think it used to be uh, just chatting was just IRL. And, like, I think it was, like, art was just creative or something. And then they started to, like, section it out more. So now there's an ASMR thing and now there's a makeup thing and now there's an art thing and now there's just chatting thing. So it's not all just, like, IRL and, that, and like, and now it's a cooking, cooking category. Um, but it those categories still are, like, super neglected. And I remember James um, said once that he's trying to, like, build up the art category um, himself yeah, as well. Because yeah. it's just a very neglected category and people will just stream and just chatting instead while they're doing art because they just don't want to be in the art category because it's a dead category. And I'm like, yeah. And and it's because Twitch isn't supporting it, so the creators have to try and do it themselves, which is like so much harder. I feel like Twitch is just happy to let it die, and that makes me so upset. Yeah. That's what that's the biggest one of the biggest reasons why I've had a lot of like I guess beef with them for a while, and why I definitely don't mm -hmm. see myself staying on the platform long term. Um, but just because I just don't think they're ever going to really care about me or the people that I really care about on the platform. Yeah. Oh, I just found out. Apparently, uh, no more mid rolls. Oh, they okay. took it off? 
yeah they're uh -huh. like thank you for your feedback we've completed the minerals ad test <laughs> thank you for your um, feedback it turns out everyone hates they, this yeah they did i said yes this experiment has concluded and will not appear to viewers and i'm like i don't think this is an experiment you didn't i don't believe i don't think you. they even did it yeah i don't think so i didn't see any I think you want to keep it i think you want to keep it for realsies i don't think it was an experiment it's schrodinger's like asshole where it's like oh yeah. no we were you yeah. didn't like it? Oh, just kidding. It was just a test. Don't worry. It was just a test. I think you're right. Do you think they ever even like tried to roll it out? Because as soon as they announced that they were rolling it out, everyone them. fought back. And then I assume that they just were like, oh my no, God, I we got to stop. some people posting screencasts of like having seven oh, really? ads in a row. Jeez. And I was like, oh, what? And I was like, I saw one and I was like, that must be fake. And then I think it was Hey Suspenders. She posted one and I trust her a lot. And I was like, oh my God, the seven ads. What do you mean? Oh, what were they thinking? Honestly, literally brain dead. I got it. My 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 sort of anti-establishment mindset was perceiving this as them putting a gun to the heads of creators and saying, "You're going to run manual ads, or we're going to run them for you." But oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's like you have to. You would have to. I think it was like you had to run um, nine seconds worth of ads every half hour yeah. to avoid them just spontaneously putting one down every half hour so you and i'm like okay i guess i can run an hour i do a bathroom break but i don't go pee every half hour i know yeah we've been training for endurance streams our, our whole careers and then yeah you my bladder has been sealed for this what are you doing <laughs> yeah because it's such a weird that's another interesting thing about twitch is it's so common for people to stream like super long hours you know on this platform mm -hmm. and that's oh yeah like I've never seen another platform like the that. Second one. I've been trying yeah, to actually tone myself down a bit. I, I like I used to stream for a really long time. I streamed ten to twelve hours, like five Jeez. days a week. Jesus, how are you alive? <laughs> I uh, I don't know. That was really unhealthy, right? But I've been oh, yeah. slowly toning it back, and lately I've been saying like three to four hours is what I try to keep. I try to do more streams, but keep them three to four hours, and that way I can That's sustain true. it yeah i've been doing for our streams and it sucks because like some streams like you feel really good and you feel like you can keep going but in the back of my head i always have to be like i know if i end now my body will thank me for it and my like mental stamina will thank me for it even though i'm enjoying it right now it yep. will have a knock-on effect and i will feel too tired tomorrow um so i've been doing it like just trying to be really consistent and do four hour streams and sometimes planning longer streams for like events and that kind of thing um and especially uh that kind of kicked in when i first learned uh when I was trying to grow, um, where it's like you can stream for like 10 hours a day, but it might behoove you more to stream for like five hours a day and then spend five hours working on content like clips and social media and like videos and that kind of thing that will help boost your growth as opposed to the full 10 hour stream idea, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then just like in general, for me, what I what I've experienced is that I like you said, I get so fatigued if I do a long stream that I don't even feel like I can stream again the next day or even do anything else regarding the stream the next day. So I just like yeah, burn a hole. Really it can mess up the consistency and consistency is oh, almost yeah. like more important than just long streams. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm horrible at consistency. I, I can't even imagine what it would be like if I was actually able to stick yeah, to a schedule. About it. Me too. I'm the worst at scheduling. I'm like, one day, one day I'll be good. I swear one day. I think it's, well, for me, I know it's part of ADHD, but also just I've never been, mm. I'm all bad with time. I'm bad with days. I'm always late to everything and I'm okay with that. My professors knew that in college. I would be at least 10 minutes late to every class and I don't know. Some of them resented it, but others just embraced it. 
Yeah, and it's understood it as like a, this is how I felt like organized chaos kind of thing. I'm starting to once I have enough brain power for it, I'm gonna try and have like a list like next to my shower and a list next to my bathroom and a list next to my bed where it's wow. like okay, every day you have to do this and tick it off with a pencil and then erase it the next morning and tick off all the new stuff because otherwise I will forget like it's like my, a routine, like medicated huh? act. Yeah, and I'm like, I need that because otherwise I will forget like my medicated acne cream or like the fact that I have to like turn off the oven when I'm done cooking, like <laughs> which I haven't, which I've forgotten so many times since I've lived here, and it's terrifying. I'm gonna die one day. Um, I'm the same yeah, way. I'm all over the place. I'm like haphazard. I'm, 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 a, I'm a controlled mess. I like to say. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Whatever works for you. I mean, whatever makes you happy. Yeah, you know, and honestly, I think I've become more okay with that as time has gone on. I, I definitely, I always bring it back to capitalism, but I do think capitalism mm -hmm. forces this idea on you that you have to be extremely effective and mm -hmm. extremely productive and extremely organized or else you're going to fail. The productivity mindset is so ingrained. It's ridiculous. Like, and especially with oh, yeah. like ADHD stuff. I don't know if I have ADHD, but like everyone that I know ever is like, you have ADHD. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm like run by a motor and I'm like, I have to be doing something. Even when I tried to pick up a hobby, like I cannot do it unless I feel like I'm producing and creating. Like I had to pick up embroidery as like a relaxing thing. Cause I was still creating something. And I think a part of that is the capitalistic push of like, you can't just do nothing. Like you have to be creating and producing or else you're not unless you're wasting your time and you're being a lump and you're useless even if it's really good for your mental health yes absolutely i uh i think that i even i don't know if i'm ever going to be able to deprogram my mind to do that because the main way mm -hmm. i find time to relax is by usually it's playing a video game with a strong sense of progression because mm -hmm. then i can yeah. trick myself into feeling productive while i'm actually taking yeah. a break that's really good. I like that. What kind of games like appeal to you for that sort of sense of progression? It's like an RPG or like a leveling, like competitive thing or I like I like a really sweaty competitive game personally. I love that. That's good. <laughs> I like uh, Hunt Showdown's been my my fix lately. Mm hmm. But it, it changes with time. I, I'm like that with Dead by Daylight. I'm like super hard oh. fixated on Dead by Daylight because I'm like, ah, Ranky, go up. Yay. <laughs> yes. I was deep into Dead by Daylight for a very long time. I was yeah. obsessed with that. I was a killer main and uh, it was yeah. pretty good, actually. That's good. Yeah. It's like so repetitive. Survivor, it's like it's so repetitive, but also it's like numbies go higher. Yeah. Yes. Progression. Yay. <laughs> I think the re I never liked Survivor, admittedly, but I think it's just because Killer was so satisfying to me the way that. Oh, yeah. Like applying map pressure <laughs> and influencing survivor movement was such a rewarding, like strategic venture for me. Mm, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, I'm where survivor when it comes to strategy stuff, it can be very like luck based or like, uh, like based in like juking or like teamwork and that kind of thing. That doesn't really like, appeal to everybody. Yes, exactly. I, I, admittedly, I'm 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 extremely solitary individual, so I almost never want to play <laughs> with a team if I can yeah. help it. Yeah, so kills like path for that. I'll go out of my way to play games that aren't meant to be played solo, like Elder Scrolls Online. <laughs> I built a whole character to where I could solo stuff you're supposed to do with the with the team. Just cause. I love and support that. <laughs> I I like people, but I just don't like people all the time. Mm, yeah, that's no, totally fair. It's gonna be out of step way. I'm. Uh, I I always joke with my friend. Uh, uh, it's just Sam. I always joke with her that we're the only extroverts on Twitch because, like, I'm a huge <laughs> extrovert. Like, I need people. I have to speak to people every day, or else I go bonkers. Um, but I completely respect people. Like, need their own alone time. I think it's really good and healthy, and people embrace it. Oh wow! Well, see, so okay. 
for me, I am, I think, technically an extrovert, but I'm like a weird fringe yeah. extrovert where I, whenever I'm in a social situation, I can really tap into it. But right. I also completely drop off the social grid for weeks, sometimes months to like dive into a project or whatever. And I'm uh-huh. okay with that. You know, I'm okay with not speaking to anybody for a very long time. Oh, I, I, I need to speak to people. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what like I'm like if I don't speak to people for a long amount of time because I've I just don't do it because I'm very lucky I have a lot of friends. Um, but I just, I just like, I'm so much happier when I'm talking to people and hanging out with people like every day and that kind of thing. I don't know why. Yeah, no, I get that. I mean, that makes sense. I, I think supposedly the main difference between extrovert and introvert is extroverts get energy from being around people, right? And introverts, Absolutely. yeah, vice versa. yeah. Please. That's where you get your energy from because there are there are introverts who are very you know socially capable and incredibly charismatic and stuff but it's where they get their energy from that matters and i very much get my energy from other people i think i am uh, officially nowadays i think i'm absolutely an introvert in the sense that that is where i get my energy from but i i don't have a problem around people but i definitely like if i'm around people too much i get exhausted fully yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, that totally makes sense. You must be loving quarantine then. That must be yeah. just great for you. My lifestyle has changed almost not no. at all. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. The only difference is I used to go out every now and then I go out to like a bar or something. I love going to a nice little speakeasy with some ridiculously fancy cocktail guy that makes some mixology thing and feeling classy for a night. Yeah. And other than that, though, yeah, more or less the same lifestyle over here. But it has been just like the only the only weird thing about it for me is just that I can't do it. Like even if I wanted to, uh, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like having the opportunity taken away that I don't like. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, come on, I know I didn't do it before, but I was thinking about it. <laughs> Maybe I would have. You don't know. Yeah, you exactly. don't know the opportunity. I also just I moved to Nashville, Tennessee, which is a great city, uh, full of a lot of music normally and I am a big live music guy and big music nerd in general and so my whole part of the reason I moved here was to catch a lot more live shows but the month after I moved here quarantine was implemented and so all the shows are canceled forever and I also only know I only know basically my girlfriend here other than that I know nobody else and because I moved here from Florida and so I'm fully I will say like living in an area where I know nobody even though I'm used to being solitary is soul crushing at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you have no one where it's like, if you want to go, if you see a thing that like quarant- sounds quarantine, you know, if you see like, Oh, there's a thing going on other than your girlfriend, you wouldn't have anybody in mind to be like, Oh, we can go this thing together and just be able to like pop over to it with them. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it, and I, my, my plan is I'm, I'm not bad at making friends. Uh, mm-hmm. When I moved to Jacksonville, Florida, I had no friends, but I never really had the opportunity to here because everything got shut down. So that definitely stung. Yeah. But what are you yeah, going to do? Yeah, I've seen people like, uh, uh, I saw a tweet that was like quite popular where it was like they had moved to a new place like a month before quarantine. And like the appeal of that new place was in like a perfect central location for like socializing and stuff. And that's why the rent was so high. And then quarantine happened. Yeah incredibly high rent with none of the benefits and it's just so freaking sad yep yep luckily i have a cheap apartment i always get apartments that people something usually like my my go-to is finding an apartment that's either in an extremely high crime area or an apartment where someone was recently murdered in or around because they're way cheaper (laughs) i love that ghost apartment ghost apartment it's uh it's it's like it's like reverse gentrification uh effect on apartment prices yeah. He wants 
place with cockroaches in the walls. I'm very like, I don't really care about location. Um, cause I don't really like, oh, I, I intend on moving to Vancouver soon when I move to oh, Vancouver. Oh, wow. You know, I think Vancouver is a pretty sweet place. I've actually been looking at a lot myself. That's wild. Oh, let's go to Vancouver together. Party. I have to visit it before I actually move there. So let's go to Vancouver. Fun girls trip. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's beautiful up there. It's so beautiful. I've been yeah, up to Washington and Oregon, which of course isn't Vancouver, but it's the same. Um, right. yeah, yeah, it's the same in style of environment. The temperate rainforest mm -hmm. is what I believe it's called. And it's yeah. pretty amazing. Wow yeah and and so when i move there i'll probably be like very like location based but as it is i see myself in kind of a transitory phase where i'm like i don't mind like where it is i live as long as the house itself is nice and i can do my work inside of it and be happy i don't care if it's like near the nightlife because i'm working towards vancouver so yeah yeah so in terms of well i mean you don't have to answer that maybe this is too deep of a question but like like goals right like what's a what's a bread what's a journey you see your yourself on you know, right now, where do you, where are you, where are you voyaging? I would just love to really feel like I was spinning all of my plates successfully, you know, cause I like doing a lot of stuff and doing a lot of creative stuff. And I would just love to feel very, it's just like an internal goal I have, I guess, where I feel that I have everything under control and I'm devoting the right amount of time to every project. And it's all like all the rewards are like, I'm doing enough work, uh, my social media at disobey. And I don't feel like I'm behind. I'm streaming consistently. I'm doing my podcast consistently. I'm spending time with people that I love consistently. Um, that's like the dream to me is balancing all those plates. Um, and, and I've moved away recently from a really toxic, disgusting living situation. And I'm very happy in my living situation currently. So that's like a goal that I've, that I've met, but I would say long-term, I just really want to, um, I want to move to Canada. I want to be again, surrounded by people that I love, um, and just be in a really mentally healthy zone. I've just, I've had a lot of like really nice, I think, I think some people quarantine has been good for this, where I've had a very good, like mental health journey. I'm in a really good space. I've recovered from a lot of romantic trauma. I'm in a really good, um, space romantically and that kind of thing now. Um, so I would just say, honestly, just my goal is like move to Vancouver and feel like I'm balancing my plates properly and be able to pay my bills and have a little money left over. That's all I really want right now. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I definitely, I definitely respect that. I think, for a lot of people, I spent so much time by myself being a little hermit and disappearing from civilization that I got really well acquainted with my own mind for a while. But for a lot of people I know that maybe weren't like that, quarantine mm -hmm. has, like you said, given them the, well, initially really like harsh kind yeah. of uh, introduction to how their own mind is when it's not surrounded by stimulation or other people. But then Absolutely. eventually becomes kind of a blessing in disguise because you get to become more well acquainted with the parts of yourself that you maybe haven't acknowledged as much before. Yeah, it's kind of forced everyone to like see who they were in the dark with no stimulation and just being stuck waiting kind of thing. You're just like stuck with your own thoughts and that kind of thing. And and for me, it was a nice healing process. And I hope that a lot of people were able to find that in the awfulness that is being stuck by yourself for so long. I'm not sure if you're familiar with an individual known as Terrence McKenna. He's a big oh, psychedelics no. advocate. Oh, okay. <laughs> he always advocated that the best way to do mushrooms if you wanted to have a serious breakthrough was to do five grams of mushrooms and then sit in silent darkness for the entirety of the trip that sounds absolutely terrible i'm so scared of psychedelic <laughs> stuff I'm like, i feel like i would just i remember I, one time i had a tinder date like a year or something ago and the guy was like yeah i used to be scared of death and then i took acid once and i spoke to the sun and then i felt better about death and now i'm not scared of it anymore and i was like what <laughs> 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 i had a big acid year where i did a, a lot of acid uh, a very frequently 
And I definitely do feel I, that's the number one thing I hear most people take away from doing acid is they their fear of death either diminishes or disappears entirely. That's so interesting. Why is that? Is it do you feel like you're dying when you? I mean, I, I got no, just preface. Nothing happened to me. I think it was just a random person dropped something in my drink. But I got roofied once, and that was the first time that I've in my adult life really felt like I was about to die. I don't know why. Nothing happened to me. But as I was walking around the club roofied, I said this impending sense of like. I'm going to die like this. And it was very scary. Um, and it hasn't changed my perception of death or anything, but like, why is it is, do you feel like you're about to die when you're on acid or like, what is it? I think acid humbles you in a, like a cosmic philosophical sense, like okay. taking acid almost lets you realize there's a lot of things that I think people realize. And, and it's all like kind of acid to me was never anything like the movies. Maybe I'd get some visuals, but it was mostly just my mind feels extremely different. I start thinking about things very differently and everything is just strange and atypical. Yeah. I guess a lot of my uh, understanding of psychedelics and acid is from movies and they obviously, because of the nature of the medium, they show it entirely visually and they don't show the mental journey in the science way. I hadn't even thought about the thoughts that you have and how you, how the mind works it's for me it's almost all mental and it just really it took me out of my own perspective in a really huge way i almost felt like i could be an entirely different person looking in on myself and looking in on like the my experience of earth and and other people and just realizing that well first of all the degree to which our experiences are interconnected but also just how in the grand scheme of everything our own individual lives are somewhat insignificant like cosmically but that's fine like that's not a bad thing you know to me it's not a bad thing because the universe is massive infinitely massive and ever expanding and we're just on a small creature on a small planet and a, a galaxy we haven't even explored yet which to me of is course. cool it means we have boundless potential yeah and that's just an absolute truth that like everyone sort of should be aware of is like we are like so tiny in the scheme of things obviously the stuff that we care about is important to care about and that kind it of is. thing but we are just you know swiveling around and so like for me it wasn't necessarily like this nihilist conclusion that we shouldn't care about anything but it was this idea that like i i'm suddenly freed by the fact mm -hmm. that like nothing bad that happens to me is is that big of a deal as much as it might feel that way, you know what I mean? Like it might feel like this is horrible. This has destroyed my world, my universe. But in reality, just the boundless expanse of possibility that exists in what exists. Nihilism, actually, uh, Tom's the exact same way. It's like uh, I call it optimistic nihilism. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yep. That's exactly kind of what I embraced after that experience. And I found it's I found it's really helpful for me and very freeing because it just lets me take a lot of pressure off of myself. Yeah, no, that absolutely. Yeah, like it can be, like, like, can be like so much pressure just socially that, and our, our our mind sort of takes these in as like absolute truths, like the thing of like you know capitalist productivity. Yeah. Once you can say, like deprogram yourself of that, it's so freeing. Once you're like what works for you and what's important to you, and realizing you don't need like constraints to tell you what's important and it can come from the self um that's like so freeing i can imagine and I, that's just like pumped up when you're on psychedelics absolutely and for me they really helped me change my brain and like remap the way i think and mm -hmm. obviously i'm still there's still plenty of things i struggle with and i'm far from perfect but me before my vast array of psychedelic experiences versus mm -hmm. after like i am so much healthier mentally now than i was before 
And I'm not saying everyone's going to have that experience, but I had yeah. that experience. Yeah, the, the moral of this, of this podcast is not, everyone, take no. acid. Go take some acid for us. Like, no, because I, I, I had a lot of, like, healing mentally and stuff when it came to just, like, doing, like, spiritual stuff and that kind of yeah. thing. But there's just different avenues that one can take. Absolutely. Sure. And for me, that was a big avenue. And so I was just this, like, acid casualty for a really long time. <laughs> and I'm, I am, yeah, it, it, it changed my brain for the better. But I know other people that have had either no significant takeaways from acid or just like not a good experience at all but yeah traumatic experiences yeah i always worry i would have a bad trip which i think would then give me a bad trip just the fear it would just end up coming up being it a bad might, trip. but honestly like the bad trips quote unquote are often the ones that are the most enlightening oh, i've probably had 40 bad trips in my life and honestly i don't i don't regret them yeah and it's good as well as long as you're in like a safe space when yeah. you're taking that kind of thing and you you can cope Exactly. Exactly. But I mean, it was for me extremely fascinating. It gave me a lot of stories to tell. I guess, I guess in that same period of time, I don't know. I've had a, f a fair amount of like, woo, I could have almost died type of thing happen. I, <laughs> wacky. <laughs> zany. Yeah. Zany. Crazy. Almost had full cessation of my consciousness. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly how it is. And so I was like going to school for philosophy and doing a ton of psychedelics. And I had this weird injury where I, like punctured a blood vessel and I thought I had I thought it was fine and I put bandages on it but then I woke up in the morning and my bed was soaked in blood and oh I was God. soaked in blood <laughs> terrifying Jesus and I just felt like I was like wow that could have really gone south you know I could have fully died of blood loss but I didn't like oh nice never woken up again that's crazy bro I would have had no tomorrow wild yeah. And that was honestly my my reaction. I wasn't really like alarmed so much as I was like, "Whoa, dodged a bullet there, Bucko." Yeah, which is like fun. I I enjoy that kind of mentality where it's like, "Yeah, well, almost like got hit by a car, zany, right?" And people around you being like, "That's really severe." And it's like, ah, fine, don't worry about it. I don't know the way the way I see it. Every single day, we're realistically like in ways we can't see we're probably dancing with death you know like just in terms of you know driving anywhere you, there's a like a relative risk of dying in a car accident anytime you get in a car or like i don't know a super volcano in yellowstone could explode and just immediately kill everybody in the united states you know like yeah it's just easy you know i think yellowstone isn't it like that would was it, it, it oh yeah i guess it's just the u.s in my brain I think, no i think it would probably it kill it would probably kill every single human being but the, everyone in the u.s yeah. would die right away and then i think the ash cloud uh, and like the toxic gases would gradually kill the rest of the world lucky you guys yeah the we, heck you <laughs> we'd get like, the fast death yeah there's probably canada yeah. too would probably die right away as well i don't know exactly <laughs> But North America gets old. <laughs> I think UK would probably slowly suffocate to death on toxic gases as the sun's blocked right, out by the ash cloud. Yeah. <laughs> People, so but, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you. Uh, I'm glad you know about that sort of thing or get it. I bring. There's all sorts of little things that I think are interesting, and I bring up, and people are like. How do you even learn about that? I'm like, you don't think this is interesting stuff? It just like comes up. I don't know. I probably, probably just learned about it in some cracked article when I was 12 or something. It just, I guess it's just the internet. You just come across these random things like that. You know, like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, I just you invented the sex doll. I just know, like, and I know Yellowstone. Man, I missed that website. I remember when that was fun. Jeez. It was so fun. You're right, though. I learned so many random little little things from that. Yeah, Whatever happened to them? Do they still exist? I have no idea. 
they probably still exist. They probably still exist. I, I think they probably went down the same road Cinema Sins went or something where they became very particular and unfunny. I don't know. That's why I imagine it happened. Or just listicles, probably, is their new thing. Listically, yeah. I'm like, there's only so many good articles like you can really put out. I, I don't know. Or maybe they're not even, maybe they weren't even that good. We just think they were because we have the red, right. like, rose tint. I think you're probably right. I think that's probably what it was. But it is interesting how that was like almost an era where people just would learn all these random fun facts from Cracked and then recirculate it to their friend group. And that was that was like the that was almost a, a podcast for a while. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Just like, hey, do you remember? Hey, you guys know how Marilyn Manson removed his ribs so he could suck himself off? Yeah. Yeah. Little random shit like that. Everyone's high school had that rumor. And I don't know why. It's just the universal truth. Exactly. Speaking of podcasts, you have a podcast, yeah? I do. It's currently on hiatus, but we're starting it up super duper duper soon again. Um, it's called The Love Twitches, and it's me and Nova Lisi, my best friend that I mentioned earlier. Um, and it's just us either uh, taking listener submissions anonymously um asking questions or asking for advice about their own romantic stuff or it's themed episodes uh, a lot of which are centered around streamer stuff so you know like dating other streamers or like keeping your relationship secret or not keeping it secret or you know how to deal with a viewer that's like in love with you and like that kind of thing um and we're selling out super soon and i like it a lot but yeah we have a couple of episodes out on spotify hell yeah old. it's the love twitches yeah yeah it's on spotify and it's also i think our twitter is just the love twitches oh that's okay that's i'm i'm excited to uh, i'm excited to tune in here i actually admittedly like not typically the kind of podcast i would listen to but i'm sure there's gonna be some really like I, i'm sure there's gonna be some interesting discussions especially when it comes to what you mentioned about you know this thing happening where maybe like a viewer uh is is super in love with this streamer but like it's you know they all want you know to that, that's the... a thing that happens and it's it it can often yeah. be this disconnect where yeah and, and our goal as well because we have they're pretty short episodes they're like 30 minutes to 45 minutes um when it's not the advice ones when we start doing themed ones as well it we aim to deliver it in like an entertaining way so even if you've never been through even if you're like i don't need to like say you're like a streamer and you're dating a normal like a, a normal person ah! <laughs> if you're a streamer and you're dating a non-streamer you we still want to make our streamers dating other streamers episode entertaining enough that you can listen to it in a sort of like a looking in from the outside kind of perspective kind of thing and also she's like my best friend so it's really fun doing the podcast because it's just chatting with my best friend of course yeah of course i i <laughs> used to do this podcast solo and then i realized how much nicer it was to explore interesting topics with other people yeah absolutely and like there's like a rapport and it doesn't really like slow down i mean if you get the right people of course um and i like to think of myself as one of the right people but like it doesn't really like slow so. down like that, whereas you can lose traction when you're by yourself or you're on you're on you're on the short list of people that have been on the the grunge versus all of reality. So I mean, it's fun to be here. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> it's, I, I thank you for being on here. Actually, and yeah. I also just appreciate you know the other day inviting me to this this Mario Kart event. It was really nice to talk to people that are cool. Yeah, no, of course I do a lot. I'm a very like social butterfly person. Like I'm always organizing like friend meetups and that kind of thing. Cause I love, I, I love just getting my friend, like, like with you and Tom, where I was like, I think Tom and Grunge should hang out together. So I'm going <laughs> to smack them together and make them do it. Like I'm very like, you're my friend and you're my friend. So now you two will be friends. And I do that a lot. <laughs> I actually really appreciate that because I do love, especially as much of an introvert as I am, I have felt quite socially starved and it's nice to talk to people that are, excellent and meet new people and i kind of 
I had been following Tom for a while and I knew him through, I didn't know him, but like I knew of him through James, but uh, that was the first time I'd ever talked to him or really even, I hadn't even really talked to his chat much just because I figured he'd never notice me, uh, notice me oh, senpai yeah, kind of thing. Tom's chat is like super busy. Yeah. It is, it is. So I just kind of hung out and watched and I enjoyed it, but I didn't know him well. And so that was really cool. That was really cool. And I really appreciated that. And that you, you were amazing and James is amazing and, and Tom was amazing. And I just, I love, I love getting to have lovely conversations, with lovely people. Yeah, no, it's super great. Yeah, no, Tom's super lovely. If We should definitely hang out more as that little like foursome because it's a good time. It's, nice. it's, like, it's like I said, the stuff with like the, the chemistry, it's like we're all, it's so nice having like a group of people that are all on the same level and all like on the same page and hitting the same beats. And it's just like, it's just so nice. It really uh, is. It really is. Especially if you are often around people that maybe don't fully get it and you like them, but you can't really like. Uh, yeah, it's like a slight like disconnect and you're like I, yeah i wanna I, like you're a cool person but we're not like super vibing but like you seem very nice but we're not like yeah. vibing <laughs> exactly exactly you get it we're actually it. approaching the end of the slot here if you can oh believe goodness. it well time it's, flies when you're talking about the extermination of indigenous peoples and the injustices that it reflects <laughs> it's very true you know that the interesting thing about this podcast is it always like starts out innocently enough talking about like you know streamers stuff a lot of times and then it very quickly becomes a discussion of some like real real ass shit you know yeah no i feel honestly i feel like if you and me is like we're let loose in a private setting about like the cops we'd probably go for like oh, yeah. five hours oh <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> I try to control myself. Yeah, I could rant about the cops for a very, very long time. I have have no temper, basically. It's really hard to get me angry, but I do feel like even when I think about cops, there's a little like rage inside me. I don't even. You get it. It stirs up my like (laughs) belly like punk rock music does. It just gets my blood boiling. Yeah, absolutely. Blood boiling is definitely the feeling. I'm glad you get it. Before yeah. we head out, I wanted to see if you had anything you wanted to like, wh- where, where can people find you? What do you want to plug? You know, of course, we talked about your podcast, but also you do be doing a lot of things, though. She do. Um, okay, so buckle up, kids. So on Twitter and Instagram and everything, I'm Breadwitchery. Um, and on YouTube, I'm Breadwitchery. And if you follow my YouTube, I have a couple of videos up that are fun. And I'm also going to be uploading... Uh, in two parts, that thing I did where I recreated the entirety of Shrek live on Twitch with my friends for charity. And I promise it's so funny. There's like pre-edited bits. It's just a disaster. I, if you watch it, Grunge, I'll be so honored, honestly. Um, I'm actually definitely going to watch it. I'm adding it to my watch later list right now. It's so good. Um, but I need to upload that soon. But, um, and then I also. Oh, it's not on there yet. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's going to be. If you subscribe. Oh, I'm subscribing. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm actually hitting the bell even. Oh my god, he's even hitting the bell. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna need to tell him. Crazy. Um, I also run the social media for the company Disobey, which is just Disobey. That's a games marketing agency, and they're really freaking cool. Um, and like I said, I have the podcast, the Love Twitches, and I have that as well. And then on my Twitch, I do a bunch of story-based games, like narrative choice-based stuff, which is really fun. I do a lot of co-op streams with my best friends. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and I'm also doing a tabletop thing in October soon with Tom on Saturday Live and some other people. We're going to be doing Monster Hearts, which is basically wow. yeah, four sessions in October. And it's basically a role. It's a TTRPG about being a 
uh, high schooler who's secretly a monster. So like some people are fairies or some people are werewolves or some people are just like a normal human. Um, and it's very heavy on like sexual themes and that kind of thing. It's really fun. I'm really excited about that. Really cool. Honestly. so good. I'm so excited to do it. Wow. Okay. Right on. That sounds really exciting. I've been getting into the world of tabletop RPGs somewhat recently, and I found it to be super cool. I had never had the opportunity to play them before, but uh, I have lately, and it's just really uh, rewarding. It's so fun. It's really fun. I think quarantine is good for it as well. Absolutely. Well, amazing. That sounds fantastic. Thank you so much for for dedicating your valuable time to this podcast. I appreciate that more than I can even say. Oh, of course thank you so much for having me on and being so cool i was like kind of nervous because i was like i don't know what i'm going to talk about but you're really easy to talk to and it's a really fun time and it's just good so thank you so much for having me hey it is a pleasure and i'm very sorry <laughs> about what happened to your pizza it's fine don't even worry about it i like how like we haven't mentioned the pizza at all the entire time we've been recording and then you just right up right at the end <laughs> sorry Ladies, i just thought about it see looking like that you don't want him <laughs> <laughs> oh my pizza what? i'm gonna put a link to the photo the tweet you made with the photo of the pizza in the show notes just so people can know how bad it was oh i'm on the podcast in half an hour i'll have my meal now i've been looking forward to this all night and i opened it up and it was just so sad <laughs> for those listening the pizza is absolutely destroyed i've never in my life seen a pizza that destroyed in transit <laughs> I don't even know how that happens, honestly. uh, He Tokyo drifted to my door. I don't understand. It is honestly ridiculous. All the toppings exploded. Looking at it again, it's so sad. It is so sad. And it looks like even the, maybe this is like a dipping sauce on the side is just covered in like. Oh my God, you're right. Yeah. Like the dipping sauce wasn't even spared. It was brutal. It is a massacre. It really is. Jeez. Well, but thank you again. Despite the pizza massacre pulling through and uh and and uh, showing up. So uh Yeah. Thank you for having me. All right.